So let's open in a word of prayer. Our Father, um, in this season of uh, Thanksgiving, we are uh, indeed mindful of thy great blessings. We can rejoice. Uh, we think of many in the world in which we live who uh, suffer uh, great want. Uh, pray the great spirit would work mightily to cause them to see that their greater need is uh, Christ, is their Redeemer. And uh, we pray for the faithful proclamation of the gospel all over the world today in faithful churches for the advancement of thy kingdom. And um, uh, pray uh, for our own particular witness to uh, family members who uh, do not know the Savior that they might see in us a measure of the majesty of His grace. And uh, these things we ask in the name of uh, Christ, our, our only Redeemer. Amen. So if you would uh, just very quickly take a... Uh, I don't know if you have your book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, but um, we're going to do something, uh, as I suggested, I think a couple of weeks ago, if you look at the table of contents uh, under part two, redemption applied, uh, number nine is union with Christ. Okay? Um, uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning and really why I'm placing it first. Uh, and, and the reason I'm placing it first, if you just scan down all of the application of redemption, you know, uh, you know, one through uh, really ten. The reason we come to receive those is because of our union with Christ. That's the only reason God is gracious to us. Okay, uh, so it's a. Um, uh, it is a humbling reminder to all of us that God is gracious to us not because we are good, not because there's anything within us or about us that causes Him to bless us. He blesses us because, uh, because of His Son, Jesus Christ. So, uh, union with Christ is, is, is the, is the, is the source that sets everything in motion. So, um, does everyone have a copy, um, real quickly, uh, not that you had to bring it this morning. Everyone has a copy of this, right? Sure. Okay. So, uh, when we, when we get in to, um, uh, the blessing of justification and sanctification, um, because it's a little bit longer than, say, uh, Murray, uh, I would like for you to read uh, chapter 7, okay, which is entitled Essential Doctrines. So just kind of a, again, a, uh, a warning. No, it doesn't sound right. Um, uh, um, impending assignment is better. So, um, so let's look. Uh, if you have your notes, um, on the second to last page, which is I, union with Christ. Notice what I have in parentheses. 
and of course Murray would agree with this, all, all the benefits of salvation accrue to us because of union with Christ. Okay? So, if you, if you think, for example, of our Old Testament lessons, uh, we're looking at a measure of the benefits that accrue uh, under the Abrahamic covenant. The new covenant will, will, will supersede that. And um, uh, all of the sons, uh, whether it be Isaac or all the future sons, uh, the other patriarchs, all of the sons of promise come under the Abrahamic covenant and the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant accrue to them not because of who they are, but because of what God has done to Abraham. And that's kind of a forerunner of what God does to us in the uh, greater covenant, which is the new covenant um, uh, inaugurated by Christ. So, so let's look at, let's look at, uh, at the new covenant. Turn with me if you would before we get into Murray, uh, let's look at union with Christ from the standpoint of the Apostle Paul. Uh, turn with me first to uh, uh, book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verse 3. So Paul says, blessed be, so he's, he, he begins praising God. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what follows. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay? All of the blessings that we read uh, uh, beginning... Uh, uh, in verses 4 uh, down to, I don't know, verse 14, are going to accrue to us because we're in Christ. Okay. Uh, notice very quickly, verse 4, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Uh, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption. Uh, Verse 7, in Him we have redemption, which He lavished upon us. Um, um, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. Okay. Um, uh, verse 13, uh, the Spirit comes. We're sealed. We're sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit, who's a pledge of our inheritance. Okay, so all of these are blessings accrued to us. Why? Because we've done good works? No, I mean, uh, we, you know, not, not because anything within us or about us, but solely entirely based upon our union with Christ. So that's why I'm, I'm taking union with Christ and I'm shoving it to the beginning. Because I want all of us to understand as we, as we begin to read through Murray and, and, and the blessings that accrue to us, it's because of God's sovereign grace. Why is He gracious to you? Union with Christ. Why does He lavish these things upon you? Because of your union with Christ. Okay? So, um, uh, turn with me now, if you would, to the uh, book of Romans. We're going to talk about um, 
couple of these. I just want to display um, uh, look at Romans chapter 5. Keep in mind, uh, the first part of the uh, book of Romans, uh, after the introduction, uh, introductory comments, uh, um, up to chapter 4, Paul, Paul is condemning the whole world. Uh, obviously Gentiles, but also Jews. Um, and he's, why is he condemning them? Because they're all total depra totally depraved. None are righteous. You know, none are righteous, no, not one. So, uh, typically, uh, uh, one of the great seductive forces uh, in, our, in, our, in our world today, one of the great spiritual lies, perhaps to put it another way, is that, you know, if our righteousness outweighs our bad works, God's going to receive us unto Himself. We're going to go to heaven. So, so that, that notion of salvation is based upon me being good. Paul just decimates that. Because there's, there's none that are righteous, no, not one. No one's good. So how can a righteous God uh, accept us in His presence? Yeah. Union with Christ. Only way. So He becomes our substitute. Uh, he becomes the captain of our salvation because he's gone before us and won the victory for us. So it's all all goes to him. So so look at um, look at uh, Romans chapter five. Uh, and here Paul begins to pick up the great doctrines of justification and sanctification. Okay. Uh, but God demonstrates verse eight. 5, 8. God demonstrates His own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there's a provision. Not goodness, but Christ. His goodness. Uh, notice verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. There's the doctrine of justification. We are saved from wrath. We all deserve wrath because of our total depravity, God makes provision in His Son. There is no other provision. You know, um, uh, certainly not human goodness. Save from the wrath of God, notice through Him. Then, let's look at verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So the incredible uh, life-giving force that comes from the death and resurrection of Christ sweeps us uh, um, uh, into the ability of standing before God because of Him, saved by His life. I mean, there are a lot of, there's a lot of theology there, certainly uh, um, um, the doctrines of... of uh, Eternal security shall be saved um, uh, by His life, and certainly uh, uh, the change in our present uh, present day life because of the 
the life-giving force of his resurrection that sweeps us uh, uh, into that uh, reality by, by its incredible power. So shall be saved by his life. Uh, one of the things I'll continue to remind you of is vast portions of American Christianity, uh, the semi-Pelagianism of Roman Catholicism uh, and uh, Arminianism, which we will study more in depth, both of them, uh, uh, rejects eternal security. Because we really can't know. Because ultimately, in both of those positions, it's falling back on us. Well, if the moment you you um, lurch into that error, if it falls back on you, you're you're really embracing law, lawlessness uh, and eternal ruin, because our salvation falls upon Christ yeah. and the incredible reality of our union with Him, and it's only that union uh, that's the source of our blessing. So, shall be saved by His life. Uh, uh, look over uh, the concept of that union uh, in chapter 6. Let's look at at verse 5. For if we have become united, okay, cognitive union, united with Him in the likeness of His death, Certainly we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. So we are linked in our union with Christ to His death and resurrection. Uh, what, happens, what happens in our union with Christ at the death of Christ? Okay. Uh, Paul's going to tell us. Verse 6, Knowing this, that our old self, or the old man, was crucified with Him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves of sin. So in the death of Christ in our union with him, with him, the dominion of sin, its rule and reign over us is broken. Okay? Does that, does that make sense? Okay? Uh, uh, formerly, when we were outside of Christ, sin owned us. I mean, we, we lived under its kingdom. Um... um we, we obeyed its rules. We kept its mandates. We could do, own, do no other because sin, uh, death, and destruction owned us. Uh, sin was our master, is what Paul is saying. Okay? Uh, um, whether you knew it or not, before you became a Christian, sin, if you will, to use an army metaphor, was your drill sergeant. Uh, govern everything about your life. You you may not have been aware of it, uh, uh, but but Paul. Um, let me just really stress this. Paul is uh, fleshes this out. I mean, he will do so in the Book of Romans, but he certainly fleshes it out uh, in in the Book of Ephesians, uh, where he's uh, speaking about the majesty of being saved by grace through faith. I'm going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. If I can ever get there. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. 
listen to the words of deadness and the fact that we were owned by the dominion of sin. Uh, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that now works uh, in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too also formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Okay? We're by nature okay, children of wrath. So because of the fall of Adam, the guilt of Adam's sin was imputed to you, uh, and, 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 and the judgment that comes from that is the corruption of our entire nature. Okay, and, and let me remind you of a, a very important aspect of your lostness. Um, uh, much of American Christianity and, and semi-Pelagianism believes that man has a free will. Okay. Uh, to, to, a, to a tiny measure, uh, we have a free will. You like baseball, I like football. You like chocolate, I like vanilla. You go to the ice cream shop, you know, you pick freely according to what you like in your will. But in the spiritual realm, you don't have a free will. You're owned lock, stock, and barrel by the world, uh, uh, by Satan, the prince of the power of the air, and by your flesh, uh, the old man, uh, a metaphor that Paul's going to use, that has dominion over you. Okay, When your drill sergeant says, column left, you execute a column left. Okay. I, I don't know if anybody in here has been in the army. Forgive me for my army metaphors, but uh, but uh, uh, in in uh, in uh, uh, basic training, um, the new recruit essentially his entire life is governed by the drill sergeant. When he gets up, when he goes to bed, how he makes his bed, everything about him is governed by that drill sergeant. Well, what I'm telling you is, is the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, uh, uh, govern your life. So flip back to Romans chapter 6. So um, in, in that union, Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old self, uh, it's the old man, who we were in Adam, okay, the first Adam, who brought ruin upon all of us in the, in the fall in the Garden of Eden. Our old self was crucified with Him that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's what I'm telling you. In, in the death of Christ, because of our union with Him, that dominion was shattered. Okay. Now, it doesn't make us perfect, but um, it means that we are no longer controlled by the forces of Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 4. Okay? That drill sergeant goes away. Okay? No longer owns us. Now, do we still sin? Yeah, we still sin, but we don't have to. Just it's a choice we make. And we're still fallen, we're still depraved, but we're not totally depraved because of our union with Christ. Okay? And God's going to fix the notion of the entirety of righteousness beginning legally and then morally and then in eternity. That's the entire span of our redemption. It happens legally, it happens morally, and then it happens when Christ comes, second coming. Okay. So He's going to fix it all. 
He's going to make total restoration of what happened in Genesis chapter 3 when, when Adam and Eve sinned. Okay? And are driven away from the presence of God out of the Garden of Eden. He's going to fix all of that. Okay? Uh, but again, the old man was crucified. Okay? Notice verse 7. For he who has died is freed from sin. So, uh, uh, a, a, a verse that I often use in this regard is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Okay? In other words, his old man, who he was when he was persecuting the church, was crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So who we were in Adam was nailed to the cross. Christ died, meaning dominion broken. He rises again, meaning we have new life in him, so we shall be saved by his life. And that union again sets in motion all of the benefits. Okay? So, um, uh, so let's let's turn to our uh, to our notes with that as a uh, introduction. So I union with Christ. Number one, uh, Murray says. It's not a step in the application of redemption, and that's true, uh, uh, but it's the source of everything. Okay. Uh, rather, a central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation, uh, and, and certainly true. Uh, so, um, Murray begins by talking about our position in Christ, and I read from Ephesians 1, 3, and 4, so... Uh, it's a, if you will, it's a, it's a positional truth. Our position in Christ. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the best, uh, I mean, let me give you a couple illustrations. Um, some of you, maybe not all of you, but some of you like football. Okay. So, um, uh, if your favorite team has the ball, they're on offense, and they get to play from the quarterback and they go to the line, uh, let's say the left guard moves before the ball is snapped. What, what happens? There's a flag. There's a penalty. Now, who's penalized? The left guard or the entire team? The entire team. That's Adam and Eve in the garden. He was our, he was our federal head. When we sinned, all of us are penalized. Okay? Now, uh, our government is based on this, and I've shared this with you, but it's a political reality. Uh, when the two senators of Oklahoma vote, they're, they're voting for you. They're representing you or your congressmen or women. Okay, because you are positionally, because you're an Oklahoman, you are positionally with them. Now you're not there, but governmentally you are there. Okay. Uh, so I'm just giving you an illustration. Uh, um, 
the first Adam dooms us. The second Adam, because of our union with him, he's going to fix it all. He's going to set it all in motion. So, um, um, so look at I2. It is our position in Christ. B, our link to the death and resurrection of Christ. Notice the references. Uh, at Romans 6, 2 to 11, we, we read uh, verses 5 and 6. Let's, let's turn to Colossians, uh, a couple books after Ephesians. Um, Colossians chapter 3. Notice, notice what I'm doing, or really what Murray is doing, is he's giving us the theology and then he's giving us the scriptures that document the, the theological truth. The importance of scripture. That's how we learn about uh, our judgment and our salvation. So Colossians 3, 3 and 4. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. In other words, with Him. Uh, um, so, union with Christ. Uh, notice, notice if you if you skip down uh, to. Um, to verse 7, talking about the wrath of God, in them you also once walked when you were living in them, uh, but now you have put them aside. Why have we put them aside? Union with Christ and His death. Okay. Uh, verse 9, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self. It's exactly the theology of the Apostle Paul uh, in 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 Romans chapter 6. Okay? Notice again, um, verse 9, you have laid aside the old man. It's, it's been shed from you. Why? The death of Christ, who broke the dominion. Okay? Um, Notice verse 10, and it put on the new man, or the new self, which is being renewed. Okay? So, old man, new man. Linked to our, uh, our death with Christ and our resurrection with Him. Old and new. We become new creatures in Christ. And that, uh, that union is going to drive this incredible change. Uh, of, of all of the blessings. Now, notice, okay, union in Christ using the prepositional phrase Ephesians 1. It doesn't say Christ and Mary Baker Eddy or Christ and Mahatma Gandhi. Okay. That, none of that, you know, counts. Okay. Um, so, it's a union with him or it's, you know, nothing. Wrath still owns you. Uh, uh, 
So um, it's that link to the death and resurrection. Uh, so it is our position in Christ, our link to his death and resurrection, our new creation. Okay? Uh, we, become, uh, we become new. So Christ um, sets in motion the new creation. And it begins spiritually, and it will eventuate in uh, uh, great material change uh, when he comes again. Um, This is, uh, for example, if you wonder why the Jews, the first century Jews, uh, 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 misunderstood Christ as the Messiah, is because they were looking for political deliverance from Rome. They were looking to be promoted uh, to all the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant materially. Uh, They don't begin materially. They begin spiritually with renewal. Inward renewal. And then eventuates, uh, uh, when Christ comes again, we shall be changed, 1 Corinthians 15. So you see here the entire panorama of our salvation is set in motion. Because of union with Christ. Everything is going to just, everything's going to happen. Legally, morally, and then uh, physically or materially. So. Uh, New creation. Let's look at this by turning back uh, a couple of books to Ephesians. The new creation. Um, uh, We've we've studied uh, the physical creation in Genesis chapter 1. And uh, Christ comes to affect the new creation beginning with spiritual renewal uh, uh, and and his incarnation, uh, and he and he starts it. Uh, here's a a reference to it. Ephesians chapter two, ten. For we are his workmanship, created because he's the new creator, created in Christ Jesus. Okay, notice created in Christ Jesus. So the new creation's begun. Now notice the purpose of it for good works, okay, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I mean, that's a parallel, if you will, uh, um, to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Okay? So he sets, there's a purpose clause as to what he does. Okay? God, God doesn't do anything without a purpose. Purpose that we should be holy and blameless in Him. That's begin. That's going to begin to affect the total transformation of our lives, okay? because He's the Creator. Um, John one. He's the light of the world. Allusions to Genesis one, when God says, "Let there be light," and there was light. Yeah, he's the light of the world. Okay. So. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 10. 
Okay. Now notice, I just, I just want to make sure you grasp this. Notice he's explaining, he's explaining salvation, um, verses 8 and 9, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not, it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's a gift. The vast majority of Christendom is, you know, if my, if my goodness just outweighs my badness, I'll, I'll, no. That, that's, that's an impossibility because of Adam, the first Adam. He ruined it for you. Okay? So it's a gift received by faith. And notice, notice that faith is a gift too. Because Paul says that. And that, which is a reference to faith, is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Uh, not a result of works that no one should boast. So no one can say, well, God, you know, I, I did what the priest told me to do in confession. And therefore you owe me. God doesn't owe anybody anything but wrath. What he gives is those who are in union with Christ by his grace. Um, Roman Catholic doctrine of penance is their answer for post-baptismal sin. Our answer for post-baptismal sin is our union with Christ. Okay. So, so I mean, this is just just emphasizing. Uh, not as a result of works that no one should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, and even those good works, God prepared before and we should walk in them. So we're not saved by good works. They are evidence that we were in union with Him and that He saved us. They're not causal. They're evidence that we, that we are men made new. We're, the, we're children of the new creation. So there's a difference. Uh, a lot of people, most people believe that my good works is the cause of God accepting me. No, it's not the cause. Uh, because He's not going to accept you. He only accepts those who are in Christ. Uh, how do we know that we have union with, with Christ? Well, we believe in Him. We hope in Him, our faith. But Paul is reminding us even that was a gift of God to you. And that He created you in Him before the foundation of the world. So we believe it's evidentiary and not causal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a great, it's a great reminder here, you know, uh, uh, from a worldly standpoint, you know, there's a lot of good works in the world. You know, a lot of bad works, but there are certainly some good works, but those aren't salvific. They are God's common grace. Um, it's effectual grace that we are studying, and uh, uh, we don't uh, we don't brag about our you know brag about our works um, because ultimately they're related to uh, the fact that we are created in Christ. Uh, uh, our uh, uh, leaving the new creation, our continuance therein. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna continue. Uh, we're gonna continue as sons of the new covenant or sons of the new birth. 
Um, let's, let's turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Pardon me, chapter 1. Sink in there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, Paul says, I thank my God concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. That in everything you were enriched in Him in all speech and knowledge. Okay. Uh, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, our continuance therein. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then be taken away the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? May it never be. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a harlot is one body with her? Body with her? For he who says the two become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay. Uh, so our position in Christ uh, is the basis of all of the New Testament, well, and Old Testament injunctions to flee the old man and to live like we have been created in Christ. And that's the basis of, say, for example, 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee immorality. Okay? So, uh, our death, um, so 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 4. In verses 16 and 17. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So if you think of the panorama that I've described to you um, uh, of our position in Christ, our, 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 uh, um, our moral legal change, our moral change, and now when He comes for us, we'll be changed uh, uh, bodily in our, uh, 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 in our uh, resurrection. So the new creation is, has begun as our uh, spirits were raised to believe in Christ. It's going to be going to climax and be culminated when our bodies are changed. Okay. So, so there's legal change, moral change, and then physical, real change. First Corinthians 15, and we shall be changed, Paul says. Um, and thus our resurrection... 2F, our resurrection and glorification. Um, probably I'll just turn here very quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. 
For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Okay. So, Adam, first Adam kills us, second Adam's going to make us alive. Uh, begins in the new creation, but it's going to climax when the world is made totally new. Okay, and notice if you if you look at the final chapters of the book of the resurrection, pictures of heaven. It, the imagery is the Garden of Eden. Okay, water. There's trees. Okay, so we're returned. Exactly where we began in the first Adam, we're going to be returned because of the last Adam who is Christ. So, getting to end. So, great, great reminders. Uh, the nature of it, it's spiritual. Uh, it's mystical because the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Look at number four, conclusion. Union with Christ is a summary of the past, present, and future aspects of our redemption. It governs the entire span of redemption from source to fruition. And it's a picture of the grace of God because none of us deserved anything. Any, any questions on, on union with Christ? Okay, so now we're going to begin, if you have your table of contents, we're going to begin to look at uh, uh, the nature. Uh, we'll start with the order of application, uh, part two, number one. So uh, you might read um, the first two chapters and we'll see how far we get. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, I must very quickly close in a, in a word of prayer. Uh, our Heavenly Father, thank Thee for the grace of God. Thank Thee for uh, this great doctrine of union with Christ that sets it all in motion. And uh, we're grateful for uh, the gift of the Savior um, and all that accrues to us, all of the blessings of our redemption accrued to us because of that union. Uh, keep us always mindful of it because we are men made new, uh, and uh, may we live accordingly to uh, the honor and glory of our great God uh, because of uh, the greatness and majesty of His Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.